When something becomes routine, day after day after day, there's a danger that it will lose its meaning. The Bible encourages us to meditate on God's Word every day. However, for many of us, our devotional life frequently suffers, becomes boring and unstimulating, or simply fades away. What if there is a way to breathe life back into a half-dead devotional life? What if time with God wasn't just a duty, but a pleasure? Welcome to the GYC Beyond podcast. In this episode, Shauna Chung and I sit down to discuss these ideas and more with Natasha Dysinger. Natasha is a Bible worker who, along with her husband, is currently working at Living Hope Adventist Community Church under the mentorship of Pastor Mark Finley. Previously the president of Generation Youth Christ, Natasha is passionate about ministry to young people as well as encouraging women in pursuit of biblical ministry both in the home and abroad. Take the time to join us as we discover how to enjoy a vibrant devotional experience. Thank you so much, Natasha, for being here. And thank you for sharing your perspective on devotions. I I think my first question for you will be, what is your, I guess, relationship to devotions? Mm -hmm. Well, the heart that I have for devotions is largely credited to my parents. So I can remember as far back as I can remember when I was three, four, my parents had already connected with the importance of devotions in their lives. And so from the, as early as I can remember, my parents facilitated devotions in my life. So Mm -hmm. when I was just little, that might've meant something like, um, they would put on scripture songs and I'd be coloring or something. Mm -hmm. Um, some little Bible, you know, Bible picture, just something to direct my mind towards spiritual topics or the Bible or something. And then as I grew older, you know, that matured. And um, when I was maybe, you know, seven, eight, I was reading maybe a passage from the Gospels and maybe something from Child Guidance. You know, it it grew and changed as I grew. And then as I grew older, then it became my own personal. First of all, it was a habit Mm. because of what, what my parents had inculcated into my life. But then it moved beyond a habit into something that I wanted. When I really... um, took hold of Christ for myself, Mm -hmm. which was in my early teens. That's when I really took hold of devotions also for myself. So it transitioned from a life habit because that was my family's life habit to a personal life habit where that was what I wanted to do. And I wanted to get Mm -hmm. to know Christ better for myself. Mm -hmm. Do you think that from your experience, it was maybe easier than someone who didn't already have that habit? How can someone who didn't grow up with that habit get into developing into the that. habit. Yeah. You know, I do think it was probably a bit easier just from the perspective of I always grew up where first thing in the morning before I did any other thing before I got into my day, right. I had some devotion. Mm-hmm. So that was an ingrained habit. Probably from that perspective, it was a little bit easier for me um, than if I was fully ingrained into a different morning routine and now was trying to change it where I was like, oh, now I'm I want to have devotions and you have to reestablish a habit. So, you know, when you're, when you're changing your habits, there's always that transition process, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, and you know, whether it's in the morning or if it's a a different time of day, what works for that person, you know, you you just have to form, you have to be willing to protect that time because, Mm -hmm. you know, the world of flesh and the devil are going to be working against that time. Right. Mm -hmm. To be having Mm -hmm. that time with God. It seems like what you've just said and kind of what you alluded to in your own experience, there came a point in time, no matter if it was routine for you or you grew up with it, where you Mm -hmm. had to choose it for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I guess once people have chosen that for themselves, how do you maintain 
the consistency or the longevity of your devotional mm-hmm. life, because this is not something that you do for two years or five years, but it's something that I guess we should strive to do Life for the long. rest of our lives. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. As far as protecting that time, I have learned in my life that it's just a matter of choice. You know, mm-hmm. I brush my teeth every day and that's a, you know, it's a, it's a life <laughs> habit. It's something that I'm going to do every day. Pretty much. I uh-huh. eat every day. You know, there's just certain things that we do every day mm. because we value it enough and we we want, you know, good teeth. So we brush them. Same thing. If I want uh, my my walk with God to really flourish, I have to feed that on a daily basis. Again, because the devil is resisting that, we have to put forth perhaps even that extra effort to mm-hmm. to protect that time, to keep it quality. So the one thing would be making the choice to protect that time mm-hmm. and maybe taking a hard look at my schedule and saying, well, you know, this is how it's going to fit in. Maybe as my season of life changes, it's going to have to fit in in a different way. Mm-hmm. But I still protect that time. The second thing is protecting the quality of my mm-hmm. devotion. So it doesn't just become this rote experience where it's like, okay, now it's the time. I sit down, mm-hmm. I open my Bible, I read... <laughs> You know, (laughs) if the quality goes down, then our motivation for protecting the time goes down too, immediately. So then the second time is making sure that the quality of our devotions remains high so that that time becomes an oasis with Christ as opposed to an exercise in duty right do. so talking about quality because i know like when you first start having the devotions you just mm-hmm. drink it up and it's just a delight mm-hmm. but then there seems to come a point in time where it becomes so habitual and i guess maybe you've read through the bible like five six seven times <laughs> yeah. there's nothing new so how do you get that quality mm. when you're not necessarily reading something new sure how do you maintain that dynamic in your experience? Sure. Well, there's a couple things that come to mind. One is, uh, this is a a quote by Mark Finley. He says this to us frequently. He says, any method used exclusively is a poor method. Uh Um, And he uses that often in terms of devotions, basically saying, you know, if I do the same thing day after day after day after day, eventually it's going to get old. Eventually, I'm going to get to that point where I'm, you know, it's, uh, it's just routine. I'm doing it again. So what I have found in my life that really helps to keep my devotions fresh and alive is I change up what I do. So let's say for a while, I'll spend um, maybe the first part of my devotions praying through the Psalms. I may do that for a couple of weeks and then maybe I won't do that for a while. Then I'll spend some time maybe going through Mm -hmm. a New Testament epistle. Uh, Like right now, I'm studying through the book of Titus. Uh, Right before that, I was studying through the book of 1 Peter. And when I came to the end of 1 Peter, I was like, well, should I, should I, you know, the logical thing is to follow it up with 2 Peter, right? Mm -hmm. But then I thought, no, you know, I've, I've done Peter and so I've done 1 Peter and I've been doing Peter's writings for a little while. So now I'm going to switch and do something else. And so I switched over and I went to Titus. And eventually, you know, after I'm done with Titus, I may wind up back in Second Peter or I may wind up in the Old Testament. So I just change it up and I change what I'm studying. I change from, you know, from maybe epistles to stories to this to that. And I just keep it, keep it fresh and keep it interesting for, for my mind. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about revitalizing your, your devotional life and things like that, I think your example of switching things up is a fantastic one and just Mm -hmm. kind of giving yourself a variety of things that you're reading even within the Bible. Mm -hmm. But for those who are, who might find reading itself as Mm -hmm. stagnant, uh, 
are there other methods that people can incorporate into their devotional life to, I guess, make it new again? Sure, <laughs> sure. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because actually reading is not my preferred method. Now, mm. I do do it because I find that when I'm wanting to when you when you're reading, you can stop at any time and ponder. Mm-hmm. If you're listening, which is my preferred method of of learning, like I when I listen, I remember. I but with you know remembering what they say, I remember their inflection, I remember their intonation, I remember the way the manner in which they said it. So it's you know there's there's pros and cons to <laughs> every method, right? But I love to listen, and so oftentimes I will listen to I'll listen to the Bible. Mm. Or I will listen to uh, maybe a book like Desire of Ages or something. Mm. And I won't just do that during my devotion times. Or sometimes I'll do it as I'm drifting off to sleep. I'll just put it on very softly as long as it's a narrator that's you know peaceful <laughs> to listen to. As long as it's a peaceful narrator, I'll listen to that or something. And just let myself absorb it that way. You know, the downside to that is that if you want to stop and think about something, you're going to have to go and and interrupt it and pause it. But there's just, there's different ways we can approach it. And then um, let me, another example, my sister is more, she's more tactile than I am. She's an excellent artist. I can't draw to save my life, (laughs) but she can draw. And I remember back before both of us were married, we were living in in our our parents' home. Mm. I was I had her Bible somehow one day and out fell this sheet where she had like illustrated on this paper, James one, James chapter one. And she had done, uh, yeah, little illustrations and and they were simple. Like they weren't complex. It Mm -hmm. obviously hadn't taken her that long. She was using little stick figures, but Mm -hmm. she she drew little indications of the man, you know, that is double-minded in all his ways. And and it was just, I was looking at it, I was like, wow. It just, it brought the chapter to life. Obviously, she had just done it at some point when she was, you know, maybe studying through James 1. So there's just different things we can do to interact with Scripture, changing it around, whether it's reading, listening, you know, interacting with it otherwise that can really keep it, keep it fresh and beautiful. Uh-huh. Like talking about like the different things that you can put into a devotional life, like reading or listening or drawing, mm-hmm. what part does prayer play in your devotional life? Is it separate or do you kind of mix them together? You know, if you had asked me that um, a couple of years ago, I might have given you a different response than I give now. Of course, I think all of us believe that devote, that prayer is kind of a part of it in that, you know, maybe we pray before we open the Word of God or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. But I have recently had kind of a renaissance of my thinking on this in in the specific aspect of praying through the Bible and mm. praying through the Psalms, um, especially the Psalms, although you can do it, of course, with other passages in the scriptures too. But I have started um, going through different chapters in the Psalms, like Psalms 1, Psalm 32, 34, 40, um, 103, 150, I like, I mean, there's a lot. 119, you know, it's such a long psalm, but it's broken up into eight verse sections. And they're right. meditations on loving, you know, the law, the statutes, the judgments, just the ways of God. And so sometimes I'll just go and I'll take one section of, of Psalm 118. So it's just eight verses, not that long, but I'll just pray through it and just pray that the Lord would infuse that attitude, that spirit that's being expressed in Psalm 119 into my heart. And so it becomes a much more dynamic experience where I'm praying and then I'm letting the scripture speak back to me. And that's one of the ways in which God speaks to us. 
you know, we, when we pray and we want to hear God respond, you know, we don't want it to just be a one-way conversation. And so that's one of the beautiful ways is as I'm praying, you know, the scripture is speaking back to me and I'm interacting with the word of God in that way. And prayer becomes a much more dynamic part of study, prayer, you know, intimacy with God. They become very, very connected. And it's been just a really beautiful experience. Wow. The kind of devotional life that you're describing is so incredible because it's, mm. it's literally living, you know? Yes. But I mm-hmm. think that with it comes this dedication of time, you know? Mm-hmm. And in order to hear God's voice, in order to have that communication and to have that dynamic component in your devotional life, it seems like you need to dedicate some time. Yes. So what would you say to the busy individual who is, you know, out the door first thing in the morning, comes back mm-hmm. late at night, is exhausted? Mm-hmm. How do they incorporate devotions into their lives? Well, you know, everybody's lifestyle is different, but I think that there can be core components to each. To me, the main concept of devotions is that we're setting time aside really to interact with a person. Mm -hmm. That is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, in my marriage, my day may be very busy, but at some point, if I want my marriage to remain strong and healthy, I need to protect time for my husband and I to have time together. And his life may be busy, but he protects time for me. Mm. And so it's the same principle in our interactions with, with Christ. So with my husband, you know, usually the best times for me to, to spend time with him are either in the morning or in the evening before the day gets you know intense or after it's done. But that doesn't mean that I can't take time maybe in the middle of the day if something happened, if I know something's going to be, you know, occupying the evening and I know something's occupying the morning to spend time with him in the middle of the day. I think the exact same thing is true in our walk with God. The benefit to the morning and the evening is often our mind is not, you know, going high strong with some other topic. That is to me the downside of the middle of the day, which I have often spent time with God in the middle of the day. But often you're interrupting yourself from some other activity you're doing. And then your mind is, it's much harder to slow yourself down, (laughs) you know, enough (laughs) to make that time quality. So even though, you know, if if a person is very busy and they say, hey, in the morning or in the evening, this doesn't work, here's a really good example. For instance, there's a doctor that I know who lives in Great Britain. He is an extremely, extremely busy doctor. Not only is he a physician, he is a a television personality in Great Britain, and he works for as doing consultation for several governments around the world (laughs) on the subject of health. He's a very busy man. And besides that, you know, if he takes his wife out to eat in a restaurant, people recognize him Mm -hmm. because of, you know, him being on Mm -hmm. on national television there. So his life is very hectic, but he goes through in the morning when he wakes up, he just reads a psalm. doesn't take that long. And then sometime, and I'm not going to be able to, you know, reproduce this perfectly, um, but maybe around 10 a.m., he has an alarm on his watch and he'll go aside. Even if he's in the middle of work, he'll go aside and he'll read a chapter from the gospels and then he'll go back to work and then he has those alarms set for like 1 p.m. and then he goes and he reads one of the proverbs hmm. and then he'll do something again at like 4 p.m. and then once in the evening so he ends up having like five times a day where he goes aside and he reads and he reads something different and he has a routine that he does very busy man but he's found a way to creatively spend quality time with Christ and keep redirecting his mind back to, you know, time with time with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a brilliant example of someone who doesn't do it in the classical way that we're so accustomed to thinking of, well, you know, he wakes up in the morning and does X, Y, or Z, but he is right. still 
places priority on it. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is it's not so much when you have your devotions, but consistency sure. throughout the day, every day. Sure. Um, what about how long your devotions are? You know, I've heard people say, well, you need to tithe your day. Mm-hmm. So you tithe your money. You should give a tenth of your day to God. I've had other people say, well, you know, it's okay. Just five minutes. Mm-hmm. What is your um, ideas on how much time you should spend? Well, again, I think if we put it into terms of a human relationship. Right. So in my marriage, if I just give my marriage five minutes a day, well, that <laughs> that might not be the best thing for the long-term health of my relationship, right? Yeah. Um, now, tithing it, would it be nice to tithe my time you know, with my husband? Uh-huh. Well, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Does it always functionally happen um, that way? Not, not necessarily. I don't always mm-hmm. get that much time with him. And I think it's the same way with God. If we want our, our connection with him to be strong and we want our intimacy with him to be vibrant, you know, we, we can never put a specific amount of time on it because sometimes we're struggling and we need more time with him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes maybe we're, we're, we're on a, we're on a mountaintop experience with God and we're, it's natural to just think about him through the day. And so maybe we're already very connected, not to say, well, we don't need time with him. Then we do need time with him, but it's a dynamic relationship. It's a dynamic relationship that we want to grow and we want to take the time to protect that relationship. And so when I think about, you know, how long does it need to be? I have spent, you know, as far as minutes or hours, very varying amounts of time with God throughout my life. And I have actually done the, you know, tithing my time with God before during a specific season of my life where I knew I really needed his guidance and his help. It is a lot, you know, it is a lot of a time, but it's a blessing. It Mm -hmm. is a tremendous blessing. But the answer to me or how long should this be? The answer would be long enough to really know you have connected with heaven. Mm -hmm. That may vary depending on the circumstances in your life and what is going on. The difficulty is oftentimes we're in too great haste, as it says mm-hmm. in education, when we're spending time with Christ. We don't pause in that sacred circle of his presence, but we just streak through, <laughs> read that quick verse, and then I put in my quota and I can get onto, the, onto life. And we don't stop to really be refreshed by his grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without actually, I guess, solidifying the structure of a Bible study or like a devotional in the morning to some sort of like one size fits all model, Mm -hmm. what do you recommend to, I guess, really emphasize or enhance the quality of of your Bible study? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily just your devotional time, but like the your interaction, your relationship with the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you know. I already mentioned this, but I think that it really is key, and that is spending a little bit of time at the beginning praying in the Psalms. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the Psalms is a huge book, so you can, you know, <laughs> oh, there's a lot of prayer material in there. But I have just found that it really blesses me. It, it prepares my mind for interacting with Scripture in a way that just often doesn't happen otherwise. So often, mm-hmm. like in my devotions, I'll try to spend a short time at the beginning. It doesn't have to be long, maybe just a few verses or something. And I'll just pray through it and really seek to ready my heart for interacting with Scripture. And then there's a lot of different things you can do. One is um, if you're really wanting to 
get down into studying the scriptures, there's three questions that I'll often ask when you're interacting with a story specifically of the word of God. So if you're maybe in the gospels or even back in the old Testament somewhere or in acts where there's a narrative going on. So there'll be three questions that I'll ask. The first one will be, what is going on here? The second, and and really try to enter into what is going on. Try to imagine what's happening, who's around, What's, what's taking place? What are, who are the characters and what are they saying? What are they doing? The second question is, how would I feel if I were in this situation? Mm-hmm. So now I'm not just observing it, but I'm trying to enter it in my own mind to the certain, you know, how I would personally react to that situation. And I'll tell you what, this can just bring a, bring so much color into the Bible and to the stories of the Bible. And then the third question would be, how does this apply to my life? And so then really start extracting and there's so many examples of Bible stories that I could give where we can just pull out so much out of one or two verses, a piece of a story even, just by entering into what's going on, um, how would I feel if I was here, and how does this apply to my life. Now, if we're not talking about stories, but we're talking more about um, maybe one of the epistles or something mm-hmm. where it's more of a letter, it's more doctrinal, it's not as much of a narrative um, in those sort of situations, like I mentioned a little while ago, I'm studying Titus, there's not as much of a, a narrative there. It's a letter, you know, to a leader of a church. So what I do in that sort of situation is I'll read through the epistle, or if it's in a larger book, maybe a, a section of that book, like in, in Matthew, maybe I would read through the Sermon on the Mount. So it's three chapters. In, in the case of Titus, it's also three chapters. So I would read through the entire thing quickly to try to get the big picture. What's, you know, what's going on here? What's the, what's the big picture of what's taking place in Titus? And then I'll go back to the beginning and I'll go through it verse by verse, very carefully, very slowly, trying to understand what that verse is saying, but remembering it in context of the bigger picture of what was happening in the epistle. Mm-hmm. And so it brings not only the big picture, but then it colors in the big picture and then again, how does that apply to my life? How, you know, maybe the struggles that the church in Crete was experiencing as in, in the epistle of, of Titus, as he was the leader of the church in Crete. And I, and he talks, uh, Paul talks about the struggles of the church in Crete. And then he gives, you know, these examples for what you can do to strengthen the church in Crete. So then my question is, how do those struggles apply? Do I have those same, do I have similar trends in my life? And then, you know, Paul's application and, and, and really wrestling with how can that apply to my heart and life. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say that there's someone listening to this and they feel like, well, this is all great. Um, all these ideas, how mm-hmm. I can make my devotional life better. But no matter how much I approach the Bible, I'm actually not really interested in reading it. Mm-hmm. How do you get past that lack of feeling disinterested? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, um, one of my biggest questions in that circumstance and in my own life, if I feel my interest in the word of God waning, Mm -hmm. the first question would be why. Mm -hmm. And in working with other young people who are like, Hey, you know, the Bible is just not very interesting. We would maybe take a step back and say, okay, what other, if we don't have an appetite for the word of God, what appetites do we have? Mm -hmm. Um, And oftentimes because of the word of God, the word of God is actually very, dynamic and dramatic. Some of the stories in the Bible are unbelievable if you really enter into them. Mm -hmm. But if my mind is so full of other, you know, stimulating things 
maybe I'm just, when I sit down to, to try to read the word of God, I'm thinking of, you know, some fantastic movie I saw and the dramatic things that took place and this thrilling narrative that was going on. And then I come to the Bible and I'm, you know, reading about Abraham and Sarah and how they were waiting all this time to have a son. And I'm like, well, this just isn't so interesting because I'm already keeping my mind so hyper stimulated possibly with another drama that is quite likely not very true to life mm -hmm. as far as, you know, how exciting it's go it is and all the things that are happening and all the, you know, the antagonist and the protagonist and everything. And I'm just so entered, you know, I'm so stimulated by that, that the word of God by contrast seems very dull. So I would say, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm like, Hey, the Bible is just not interesting. The first question I would ask is why, what, what do I find interesting? Mm. What sort of things do I find stimulating and intellectually exciting? Because there's so many things about the Bible that can stimulate our mind, but not if we are already stimulating our minds with things that the Bible does not relate to or condone. Mm -hmm. So that would be my first question is, what's the appetite? If we have, as a, as a practical example, a little African child that all they have access to is white rice and they mm -hmm. eat white rice three times a day, and thus they may not be hungry, but they will eventually become malnourished. Right. And so often this is what we do with the Bible. We're feeding our minds so much with all this, you know, stuff and, and media and, and social media and all this stuff that's going on in the world around us and entertainment and all this until our minds are so full of that white rice, so to speak, mm -hmm. that we may not feel hungry but we are becoming undernourished. So what are my appetites for and how mm -hmm. can then I then, if I recognize that I do have appetites for other things that are squelching out my appetite for the word of God, then I can start restructuring my life to allow the appetite for the word of God to flourish. Mm -hmm. Speaking of those things that are kind of outside of the Bible, I think perhaps there are materials that can be supplementary to the Bible. Mm -hmm. Are there any resources that you would recommend or that you've incorporated into your devotional life that might be, I guess, supplementary to mm -hmm. the Bible? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, there's so many, there have been so many great Christians throughout mm -hmm. history um, who have, have written very inspiring things. Fundamentally, when it comes to, ex, you know, extra biblical material, so writings by other individuals besides, you know, outside of scripture, one of the keys that I look for in whether I include that in my devotional life or not is, does this book or, you know, study guide or this material, whatever it is, does it enhance and amplify my love for the word of God? Mm -hmm. So am I pursuing, you know, this other author because they, they draw me closer to Christ. They, they, when I get done with their reading, I just want to read the word of God too. Or do I read them because they're more interesting and I, you know, I, the Bible is just kind of dull. So I want, you know, <laughs> got to read something else, somebody else, you know. So I try to look at it from that perspective um, because there are other wonderful, certainly I, I often enjoy reading uh, the Spirit of Prophecy when I'm having my devotions. Um, but then when it comes to other authors too, primarily my devotions, I do try to give that time to the Word of God because Oftentimes we don't find ways to eke out time for the word of God outside of our devotions. Mm -hmm. And I may find ways to eke out time for other authors outside of my devotions. Mm -hmm. So primarily I try to leave that time for the word of God. Um, maybe I'll read some of the spirit of prophecy. But if there are other authors who 
really are inspiring me to into a greater love for God and to a greater love for his word, then I may have them as a part of my devotions, but always bearing in mind that they are pointing me back mm-hmm. to the word of God as opposed to mm-hmm. becoming an outlet for just reading something that's easier to digest mm-hmm. than the Bible. Mm-hmm. So um, just talking about supplements, um, how have you felt that maybe other things like Bible memorization has um either like aided or supplemented your Bible study? And how do you suggest someone get started on that? Mm-hmm. Um, Bible memory especially, I think, is wonderful as, as something that will enhance our devotions. Now, where I would add a caveat is how much time is it taking? You know? <laughs> so if I have a given amount of time to read or study the Bible and I am taking a large section of that time to memorize a small portion, then I might try to incorporate that at some other time in my day. Mm -hmm. Um, It used to be the case. I used to have a much higher capacity for (laughs) memorization than I do now. I don't know what happened to my brain. But when I was nearing the end of high school, I had a pretty extensive ability to memorize quickly, especially Mm -hmm. if I listened to it, I could remember it. And so at the time, I really incorporated a lot of memorization into the very beginning of my devotion. So at the beginning, I would spend some time memorizing. And the nice thing about that is that then as you're going through your day, that scripture can just come back and Mm -hmm. it can revitalize, refresh, you know, refresh you in the middle of the day. Now it takes me a little bit longer to memorize (laughs) than it did back then. There's a little more work. So I have, I may still do it maybe at the beginning or at the end of my devotions, but I don't make that like my primary, you know, Mm -hmm. activity. Otherwise, you know, I don't make much, you know, it, it slows down the whole process, right. but I do, do certainly believe that I'm really grateful, especially for the, the amounts that I memorized during that season of my life where my mm-hmm. mind was just kind of by the grace of God, a sponge for it. Um, and now I memorized one of the things I memorized during that time was the epistle of James. And mm-hmm. now throughout my life, it's just such a gift to have James mm-hmm. right there where mm-hmm. I can meditate on it at any time of day. And it's just a really refreshing gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Oh, I think welcome. that we've covered so many uh, angles of the devotional life and mm-hmm. your insights have been extremely helpful to first time devotional or people at the beginning of their journey in the middle mm-hmm. and then, you know, further on and stuff. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. We appreciate Natasha Dysinger for sharing her thoughts with us. May you also discover an oasis in Christ's presence for your soul. As Job states poetically, indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways, and how small a whisper we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Mm